episode of the appeal aka walker's appeal yeah i don't I, I don't celebrate thanksgiving but i do eat turkey on that thursday <laughs> yeah. i can i can have it both ways like i said turkey's good all year round <laughs> pitching hold you were, were how's your week brother yeah, pretty good all things considered hey uh, yeah i mean um, good as you know that was pretty good so uh, we, we'll, we'll go get, get to it, it. <laughs> we try to always have big ideas you know that's how you move things you can't move things by doing things subtly so um uh our, the stem program uh that uh we were working in collaboration with so that was yeah. community first thing over civic uh, that was the community the african center for community empowerment brother say wally kessley and uh dr uh rockman munash who was uh i guess a few weeks back so we wrapped that up you know, um, he's, he's heading out to Africa. <laughs> uh, and the kids, so the kids gave their, you know, presentations to the community about what they what they learned, what the takeaways are. So the parents came. And, and the real interesting thing is the parents had more questions. That they were more curious than even the kids. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. Right. It was beautiful. Like, you know, the idea of the, the light making the, the sun's light is what makes the earth turn. I mean, showing experiment, experiments and proving it. It's a real tactile, and um, uh, I think the kids walk away better from it, you know. Uh, and we, yeah, we're getting ready to ramp up to do it again come February. So you'll be hearing me talk about that a lot. Um, uh, yeah, and I, one thing I did learn, uh, I didn't put it on these airwaves, one of the ambitions was to actually start like a, a university for 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. How would that be a university, though? Because you you'd be talking, you'd be giving them college level courses, okay. advanced calculus, advanced physics, right? Um, you just expose them to it, just give it to them. You know what I mean that yeah. the, the idea is uh, as long as they can digest it, we don't have to pacify them or coddle them. We just throw them yeah. to it. As long as while, while wait, as long as it's an accredited school and the curriculum is rigorous, then yes, yeah, I'm for it. Uh, well, actually, even that, um, one, one of the things, uh, so uh, you've heard me talk about Joe Mack on these airways before. Joe Mack, um, uh, attorney, um, one of Al Sharpton's previous attorneys, he ran in New York State to try and start the United Africa Party. Um, he's actually, before going to law school, uh, he, 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 he studied neurophysics. No, astrophysics, sorry, astrophysics. Yeah, neurophysics would be... I don't know what the, the, the right. way neurons move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he studied astrophysics, 
And um, one of the things he was saying, he, he don't really, he doesn't even really care about the accreditation. The idea is if you're teaching certain things that are so rare and so hard to find in the talent pool, uh, whether it's accredited or not, they'll be the path to your door. If the knowledge is there, the knowledge is there. And then the accreditation will obviously can come after that. But you know, you don't necessarily need the accreditation when you're studying certain things. Well, you know, I, 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 study. Accreditation wrong. Um, huh? I may have used that wrong. That word oh, wrong. Okay. Um, I would say as long as it's it's peer reviewed in a way. It, it's not even peer reviewed. Something that can be physically tested. Yes, you know, of course, of course. Verified. <laughs> you have to be able to reproduce I mean, it scientifically. Like, you know, if I do it in Tuskegee, then I can do it in Syracuse, then I can repeat the experiment in Germany. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, because, That's all I'm saying. The reason why we said that is because like, there are certain schools like Morris Brown, Ashley and Joe Mack, the same Joe Mack I just mentioned, he's struggling with Knoxville College down in Tennessee, schools that have lost their accreditation and trying to get it back. Yeah. Right, so it's not like they're still not schools; they're just not accredited. No, you, if you actually get with the right, if you get with the right association, that's what I mean. You have to be. Words have definitions, folks, and like I said, I use that word incorrectly there. Um, and I know that. Yeah, you know, okay. because if you get in with the right association, you can be quote unquote accredited, and you can teach that you know, dinosaurs are still <laughs> running around or whatever yeah. else you want, and it be considered cool. So, like I said, yeah. As long as the yeah, curriculum yeah. is rigorous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, just uh, doing some, you know, people with big ideas. And so he, he, he and uh, uh, one of his students were actually trying to do that. And I, I thought that was, oh, well, not, not recently. Like, um, uh, so, again, doc, Dr. Uh, Rockman comes out of Dr. Shabazz. Uh, Dr. Shabazz is responsible for half of the blacks. PhDs in the United States. They came from out of, out of him. And so Rockman, with this, is trying to continue on that tradition, right, of uh, creating great minds, creating genius. And uh, so he and one of his students, right, who actually now teaches math at, at Howard, uh, before him teaching at Howard, they were, that was supposed to be their goal. But, you know, you know, it, it, takes, <laughs> it takes a certain kind of organizer to make that kind of happen, that thing happen. Right? You need you need uh, George Washington Carver's and as well as Booker T's. Right? Uh, yeah. You need <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need folks doing everything. You know. Yeah. So that was that was a beautiful, beautiful uh, evening. That was uh, actually yesterday. That was beautiful. So um, that came to about to to conclusion, and, and um, yeah, hopefully the, the students are better for it. And I, and, you know, and and as we're doing this. I don't expect the students to actually understand the circumstances, the gravity, right? Uh, they're, they're kids, right? They, they, they're going to this thing because you asked them to, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, some of it, can, they can really get into it, and then they do, but it they don't you have it, you know, an opportunity. Digging, huh? It depends on how you approach it. You know, I was into physics at a young age because I watched PBS, and Sesame Street and Carl Sagan. You know, I still remember when he first told me about Flatland. Yeah. <laughs> and how to view, you know, multiple dimensions. Yeah. You know, and I like drawing too. So that taught me about perspective. So I learned how to do that really early. And then I didn't, you know, it's it's like anything else. It builds on it. So no, that's, it depends on what you are exposed to. 
Yeah, so as I was saying, so I was just making a point that regardless if they understand it now, if you're not doing it for them to understand it now. You're doing it to plant a seed that might grow into something later on down the line. They'll appreciate it. <laughs> They'll appreciate it down the line. I, I guarantee you that. Yeah, it all builds on itself. Huh? It all builds on itself, like anything. Exactly. You, don't, you know, you so, can't um, master anybody of knowledge or really progress that quick. Nobody gets it all in the first read. Yes, I mean, unless you unless you're special. You've truly been prepared by the time they get to this point, you know. So again, yeah. when I say special, not that you got some kind of innate ability, no. That you just have more contact with this stuff than other, and so therefore sure. you can hit it, run it, hit the ground running. Yeah. Where others might, you know, uh, Martin Luther King said, "Some students are Cadillacs, some students are Fords. Both, we need both, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Some students get it right away, and some students got to struggle with it before they get it. But you need both, right? But um, yeah, so that was beautiful. So, so um, we had a an interesting week. Uh, you know, as always, uh, we function in the spirit of Sankofa uh, here on uh, <clears throat> The Appeal. Uh, always looking back in order to make sense of where we are and also to understand where we're going and what we must do in order to get where we're going. So um, I'll start the, the conversation today with Virgil Abloh. <laughs> uh, so Virgil Abloh uh, passed away. Um, uh, Virgil and Virgil Abloh and myself were the same age. We're both forty-one. <laughs> Not that that means anything. Nothing. Oh yeah, it can happen at any time. <laughs> and uh, and he's someone who I paid attention to. Mm. I, I paid attention to. I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite and say that I've loved everything that Virgil has ever done. No, absolutely not. I, I actually don't even believe Virgil and myself share philosophies too much. Uh, however, I have always been like appreciative of creatives, especially black creatives, because I know, uh, it's, you know, it's it's hard to innovate. It's hard to create spaces, uh, even the, the activity of building a brand. And, you know, we take it and you couple that with things like racism <laughs> and try and the other sort of like regular difficulties, it's hard enough as it is, and then you tag on racism. And um, for, those, for those who don't know about Virgil's background, like so, he he wanted to be an architect. Okay. He could not get his leg in the door, <laughs> right? <laughs> he couldn't get a, a word in edgewise. He, it, just, it just wasn't going to happen, right? So he studied. That's what he wanted. That was his dream. Was never going. It wasn't going to be. Um. Uh, from folks that I know uh, and the way they see it, they feel that he leveraged a relationship with Kanye West. I mean, and he maxed it out, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, say what you want about Kanye West. Um, there is a stable of folks who have come from his kind of universe that he has kind of created. And um, they're doing... I mean, I, I'm not in their pockets, but, you know, the, as far as um, visibility. You don't have to qualify, that, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. And it's actually, it's more upfront. If you're a billionaire and you're out there bankrolling different people for what they're doing and you see talent in them, 
Now, I'm saying he's not, I'm not talking about bankrolling. I'm not even sure if he gave these folks a dime. He just gave them exposure. And they, they used better. that. You know, okay, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm not That's saying he's putting these folks. No, well, bankrolling, exposing them to the yeah. other people who can help them achieve whatever their ends are, that's fine. You don't have to qualify that. That's how most people, that's how businesses actually run. That's how money stays where money is. That's where it's not because of talent. Look at Joe Biden's kid. You think he's a, <laughs> where he's at because he's good at anything? He was running a oil company in a country that he doesn't even speak the language. Why? Because he's talented? No. <laughs> and so. Don't get me started. I digress. Back to Avalon. <laughs> so, uh, um, I'm not sure if you guys remember. There's a story. This, yeah, actually, this is 2014. <laughs> so, uh, uh, again, so he tried to do the arch- get into ar- the architecture career. Uh, that didn't work. So he became a DJ. He's from Chicago, but he had like a real for lack of a better word, white boy upbringing. <laughs> I, I think he'll tell you that. Uh, I think that's the way he would describe it, too. He didn't grow up, he didn't grow up on the south side. <laughs> he was a privileged kid, I guess, in some way, shape, or form. And um, so he became a DJ. You know, uh, I think he, he got into house. But yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so he had a certain kind of upbringing. And um, his first brand he ever created was, uh, well, first brand that he's known for was Pyrex Vision. Right, so Pyrex Vision was this kind of streetwear. This now, this is the beginning of streetwear, right? This is when HBA is still king of the hill, uh, with uh, Shane Oliver, um, out of Brooklyn. You know, the, the really cutting edge like stuff. And, and the reason why I we called it the I'm calling this like a discussion about black arts movement because I don't actually see the stuff as clothes, right? It's um, be, yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, I say well, native dressed, huh? It's our native dress. No, no. What I mean is, it is. Okay, um, it's. I, I, had, I had this conversation. I had this conversation with my students. I was like, "What? Why do people buy cars, Rob? Why do people buy cars? Uh, functionality and durability. If they can complete the task, usually, and then on top of that, status. What task? You got the A to B, or if you need like heavy uh, hauling, depending on the environment, it has to be able to, you know actually get you from A to B, and once that's satisfied... What, 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 what's A and what's B? Point A to point B, or to complete a task, like if it's a labor B. truck, or if it's a sports car, each one is depends on what it is, and then from there, once you satisfy that qualification, what's my status? How much can I afford? Now, now, uh, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't... So, why do people buy cars? Okay. <laughs> like I just now, that's well, what I'm asking you. Why do people buy cars? You said A to B. What's A and what's B? Getting from point A to point B. And, and what is point A and what is point B? Your des your, your origin point to your destination. And so what are typical destinations? I mean I could fly, I can ride a bike. I don't need your car for that. So what what so is A to B? Travel along roads. If that's the case then get a bike. No, it's you want to travel at a under certain conditions, you need that gas power. If you didn't live in New York, if you didn't yeah. live in New York, right? So, because maybe New York, I and I always quantify this too, because New York is unique. So, say you don't live in New York, anywhere outside of New York, you live you live in Connecticut. Why do you buy a car? To get to your neighbor's house. <laughs> to get to the market. People buy. 
to the market. Where else? It's better than a horse and buggy. <laughs> a lot faster, well, safer. Well, some places they don't have public transportation. You you need a car to get to work. You yeah. can't get to school without a car, right? When if your car breaks down, you don't go to work that day, right? So cars, by definition, are means of transportation to get to these places, work, school, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. and so um. If you need a, a way to get to work or school, you go buy a car because you don't have public transportation. Okay. Now, what does Ferrari sell? Luxury cars. Speed. Are they are they luxury cars? What what what, what solution? Status. If you you need a place to get to work, a way to get to work, do you go Ford and then go to Ferrari? Do you go to Ford, Toyota, Ferrari to see what's on sale? If you need them for a way to get to work? No, that's what I said. The status was a component. That was the secondary component. My, my, I don't think, so my point is, I don't, now, people buy Ferraris to do what? Go fast and express status. Now, um, not even what I know, status. yeah, you, what I know, you know, you, people buy Ferraris, they don't really even drive them. Yeah, it's the same thing as so like the two-bag millionaire you know, buys it. <laughs> huh? They don't even... Your, does your phone have a calculator? Of course. Do you go to the store and say, I need a calculator. Pass me that iPhone. <laughs> no, you get the iPhone for... Like I said, that's a pure... <laughs> so, just because two things have similar functions don't mean they're the same. Yeah, we don't actually. So Ferrari does not actually sell cars. Yeah, that's why they're a luxury. That's their brand. They're just, I, they, they actually aren't. You, you're supposed to actually just buy it there, sit and look at it, appreciate it. Yeah, sure. It, it's that's, not actually for driving. That kind of that's kind of lost on me. I'd rather look at like a freaking because you're not supposed to drive it. You put too many miles on it, it ain't worth nothing. Or you put too many miles on it, it ain't worth nothing. Yeah. So therefore, they're not even selling. They're not really selling cars. Cars are to. I mean, in other words, uh, the idea is you don't look at something as a. You look at something for what problem it solves. Because therefore, technically, Ferrari and Toyota, Ferrari and Ford do not compete. They're not selling to the same people. Ford sells cars. Ferrari doesn't sell cars. So. Um, they sell ego enhancers. When these guys sell T-shirts, and Virgil has done this, sweatshirts, six seven hundred dollars. He's not really selling a sweatshirt. You dig? No, he's if selling the fact that I can spend that on a T-shirt. Huh? He's selling the fact that I can sell spend this on a T-shirt. No, but he's he's selling technically a piece of art, no, something that people appreciate. No bullshit. He's selling the fact that you can say to the rest of the world that. This is a six hundred dollar T shirt, and there is a clientele for that. Don't get me wrong. No, no, but the, the, don't the mistake the ability of people to do that. Is typically, workwear. I'm, I'm trying to keep me warm. That's not why you buy one of his sweatshirts. You're not trying to keep warm. Yeah, that, so that's my point, right? So just because it looks yeah. the same, that's why I said that, that's, I thought I was being pretty clear when I said that was, it was about status. 
No, yeah, my, my point is, it's, it, I, I, you're saying that the one product does it all. I'm saying that those are two different products. The no, product I'm saying the $600 t-shirt does that and the Ferrari. They're serving the same function. If you're going to break it down into that, because neither, like you said, if I just needed to get from A to B, I could get whatever. They're selling that social yeah. code message that, look, I have a Ferrari, or look, I have a yacht. And not just a yacht, this yacht. that has a little yacht in it. So substitutes me, if I don't buy this, I'm going to buy that. It's no like, dude, there, there are people who just spent like half a million dollars on a virtual yacht. So, I, not, please, if you can justify that, you know, that's the same as there's no Fortnite skin that's out of reach now. That's all that proved. <laughs> so, um, so that's your society, folks. You, you lost me. I, I, I'm not going front. You lost me on the Fortnite reference because I, I didn't even know what I'm like. I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> you just flaked me off air. Now, so back in 2014, there was this article um, where. Um, so Ralph Lauren Rugby is a, a brand that Ralph Lauren put to rest a few years back. And so Virgil came across a bunch of rugby Ralph Lauren flannel shirts, dead stock. So dead stock means they never really made it to production. So you can buy them probably for cents on a the dollar. Then, you know, uh, just to, you know, to, to liquidate inventory, what have you. So, um, you know what screen printing is, right? Yes. So, yeah, screen printing is just like your t-shirt. One of the oldest art forms. <laughs> yeah, you might want to put something in your name or whatever. So, he, so Virgil got a bunch of dead stock Ralph Lauren rugby flannel okay. for 40 bucks. Nice. Now, that's the problem. I mean, somebody found out, like, oh, these are 40 bucks. He screen printed Pyrex Vision on the back and charged $500 for it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I found out for it. Like, yo, these are dead stock Ralph Lauren rugby flannels for forty bucks. And you charge a five. So at the time, I was like, Dave, you got found out. You got you got to be cleaner than that because you know uh, people can be fickle. But then yeah. I'm like, Dave, that's a hustler, hustler right there, baby. <laughs> Sell water to a whale, right? Yeah, exactly. Sell water to a whale, like, and so. I, I I never thought he was super creative. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I, like in pantheon of of creatives who I think are like pushing boundaries, I never thought Virgil was that. I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? But I did appreciate the space he occupied. Right? It takes a certain kind of balls to pull that off and still get away with it. It still lives eleven other day. So after the Pyrex vision, folks, he goes on and he starts. Um, uh, ben Trill. This is when he par- he partners with Haram Preston, and I forgot the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot the other guy's name. It's it's Jay. Jay. He he now has a brand called JJJ Hound. I don't think he's a black guy, but Haram Preston was the other black guy in the brand, and they were doing that for quite some time out of out of Canal Street, right? Because so they they they're from other places in the country, but they they got their start in the underground party culture in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, then he leaves that and branches off on his own. And then he has this thing called Off White. Um, and this blows up to be like 
the largest, I mean, of uh, the biggest brand, like as far as like, uh, you know, they, they do surveys about the strongest brands, Apple, you know, Google, Samsung, um, Nike, right? That's the biggest brand. And Off-White of all luxury brands was really, was the number one brand at a point. Oh. Right? Like the most desirable brand. Like you saw Off-White on it, it's gone. You know, it was out the window. And I was, I mean, you know, I, I understand how difficult that is. And uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to go to the... To reach that point in sales and revenue, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, not it's not measuring revenue. It's not measuring revenue. They're just measuring impact and perception of the public to a brand, right? Oh, nice. So which brand okay. will the public go most crazy for, right? It wasn't Gucci. It wasn't Louis Vuitton. It was off-white. Plus, like right? the Supreme hit a little while ago. Yeah, Supreme was there, too. Supreme was there, too. Yeah, that's right. You're absolutely right. Um... And then I saw I scratched my head when he went and he took this job at Louis Vuitton. And, and um, you downgraded, huh? You Because it's like you created the hottest brand, mm-hmm. but yet the idea of prestige, like let me go work for these white folks. Yeah, but you did it. Yeah, you know I mean, however you did it, you did it. That was the hottest brand. Louis Vuitton was not as hot as Off White. And he went and, and, and he covered yeah, it so much. I mean, they were crying about him getting this opportunity. Some people ridiculed him because they, again, they didn't think he was as Well, it's like the fact that you can find Martha Stewart. It's a different kind of brand. It's like you can, the fact that you can find Martha Stewart at Walmart. Martha Stewart's whole brand was what? Cul-de-sac plus. She's literally the wine mom prototype or archetype. Yeah. And where is her brand actually sold? What what market level cap is that really aimed at? Yeah, so brand, so like Nike, right? Nike doesn't only do high end stuff. Nike does some pretty but Nike is still a strong brand no matter what. So when I, yeah. I wasn't referring to it in that manner, like, oh, it has to be expensive. This got nothing to do with money. This just has to do with power of a brand, recognition yeah. of a brand. But that's what I'm saying. That's how – how do you build that kind of – she was all Martha Stewart. She had her own brand. So if she, wanted, if she wanted to have the $500 hand towels that you're not even supposed to fucking use <laughs> or the fact that you could use them, actually the $500 hand towels. Yes. Go ahead and use them. That's what they're for. She could have had that brand, but instead, where do you find her home basics? So yeah, that's the it, same. That's the same. It's a, almost to the outsider. looks like a downgrade, but it's just really a lateral move. But now I don't actually. Not, have not actually so, so what, what's the what's the most uh, valuable? I'm gonna use car companies in the world. Mm-hmm. It's Volkswagen and Toyota. When people think about Bentley and, and Rolls Royce, those 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 companies are owned by Volkswagen, well BMW, <laughs> and Toyota. Was like, I mean, the, the the extra. There's more money to be made when you come down market and you can appeal to the masses. Yeah, you really don't make more. Your margins are better, <laughs> but you don't make as much money. Not um, in the one shot, but there's yeah, more exactly. of us. 
That's why they're the one percent. Because there's only fucking one percent of them. And no yeah, matter how yeah. much money you actually give these people, that's all they they can't take it with them. Yeah. So what do you? That's yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm saying for as far as Martha Stewart concerned, they Martha Stewart they be using. You know, that's why I said it's a lateral move. Being more, it was the difference between being Martha Stewart and still having that freaking market share. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, she yeah, she makes more money being out of Walmart than she would if she was trying to go up market. But anyway, my point is, yeah. So when Virgil did that, like I was kind of disappointed. It was kind of like uh, I was disappointed when um, I I, can't, I remember this. <laughs> I, and, and this is probably like the most Negro cop <laughs> kind of, uh, ideas or conversation you'll ever hear me have. So um, <laughs> when Kanye West was being interviewed by Sway. Okay. I think it's a pretty famous interview. And and Sway was trying to argue, like, you don't need these other brands. You can do it on your own. You can be fully independent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> and, and, Sway, and he, he barked on Sway and said, you don't have the answer, Sway. <laughs> Damn. It's a famous interview. But my point, I thought that was sad in the same way. Like, you, you mm-hmm. don't feel you can do anything unless white folks behind you, right? Yeah, uh, I mean... You know I mean? Michael Jordan is worth what? Maybe $3 billion. Okay. Right. So he has this brand called Jordan. That's a pretty lucrative brand for him. Mm. But uh, how much has Phil Knight made off of the Jordan brand relative to Michael Jordan? Phil Knight's worth $16 billion. Phil Knight has made more of Michael Jordan than Michael Jordan himself. And Michael Jordan made a whole lot of money. You know what I mean? So technically, did 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 Michael Jordan really need Phil Knight? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? After 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 you have enough social <laughs> capital or actual capital, you you're you're independent. You're actually free. Once you can do that, because at a certain point, it can just replicate itself. Why do they stay on the plantation? Properly invested. And I so mean, why that would Michael Jordan they stay on the plantation? It's a mentality difference and the ability to what your goals are. Some people may need that and they don't even maybe even see it unless it's pointed out to them. They just think that is the way literally see, business is done. Cool. And that's my point. That's the sad part. That's inferiority, brothers and sisters. And so that was why I really felt sad about the Virgil Abloh thing and mm. Louis Vuitton. I was like, oh, you got, you, got, you got your own thing. Why do you need this? And you give it, I mean, actually, and, and again, I was having this conversation last night. That's why they're spilling over here. Uh, with my barber, and actually, because he made the argument that maybe he wanted to learn something from Louis Vuitton, right? By working at Louis Vuitton, he learned about uh, making sure his brand was relevant long term. Possibly, but but actually, Not, uh, it's not uh, they, hired him. Markets, maybe. they hired him. They're trying to learn how to stay hot right now. They're so learning they're from confusing. him. They weren't <laughs> they're not I don't know if they were necessarily "quote unquote" learning from him. They paid they him. Stealing that they're they're not. They stealing. paid him. Yeah. They didn't pay him. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes you don't pay someone because you want them to or you need them. You may just need them out of the way. Let me clarify something. So they weren't using his name. His name is not on the stuff. He was just creative director for them. It's still Louis Vuitton's name. Mm-hmm. Right, but this is just his collection. So, you I mean this will be, you know, they'll look back and say this is the years. I think because before him, 
Yeah, but Kim that's Kim. still using his name. That's still. That's, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Okay. You know I, that I, his collection. I don't. If, if Polo came out with some shit that said it was the Will Smith collection, you know what the fuck it means. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just clarifying that, that, like, like you know, you're not gonna. It's still, they're still perpetuating their own brand. They just got They're using that. that social capital yeah. and thing. Yeah. Like said, there's always going to be that part of the market that wants the five hundred dollar sweater but can't afford the five hundred dollar sweater. But it in, in essence gets the five hundred dollar label. It's associated with it. Um, I'm not sure you that that because these both everything here is expensive. <laughs> they both they both no, hundred dollars. <laughs> no, no. There's plenty of shit that you can get. It's Louis Vuitton that isn't top quality Louis Vuitton, but it's still associated with quote unquote Louis Vuitton. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a name. Yeah, it's just a name. But but uh, but um, but putting it at the right price point opens it up to quote unquote everyone. Now, not only do I use what that hotness that you were perpetuating into the market. But I keep my part of the market entertained and affordable and within reach too. I'm still relevant now. But uh, getting back to some more positive, I did appreciate the folks that he put on. So one of the folks he put on was uh, Tremaine Emery, uh, who does who does in everything he does recently uh, with his brand Denim Tears uh, mm-hmm. tries to articulate the black experience as best as he can. Now. These buzzers are using price points that aren't for everybody people, but I said they're not. I don't see the stuff as close. It's not stuff that you know. I'm not buying it. And one of the things that Virgil asked see, me when said, it comes to stuff like this, you're really talking to the wrong brother. I, I would still be wearing my boot camp trench coat because it's the best freaking raincoat in the world. <laughs> okay. He, 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 one of the things Virgil said that you know he when somebody critiqued him about his price points was that you know if it, if he was a young kid. And he, I mean, he didn't have that kind of money as a kid. He would just make his own version of it. Like he would yeah. look like it. And I thought that was dope, right? Because that's what creativity is. I yeah, even look at even bootlegging it. That is how. That's real fashion. That is actual how. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of independent kids out there doing that right now. That's that's the whole point of FIT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. You supposed to uh, if if you you like something you can't afford it, make your own version of it, right? And um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I I appreciate him saying that, like like uh, that 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 approach to it. Yes, I'm I'm charging ridiculous prices. Matter of fact, uh, Tremaine Emery, uh, then his, uh, which is eerie. The day before he died, um, he put out like he ne- Tremaine Emery, Denim Tears is relatively new. Uh, he put out a like a Ablo jeans. And this is again. This is like forty-eight hours before, twenty-four hours before I heard he died. Huh. So you got two versions: uh, a screen-printed version okay. that's five hundred dollars, and an embroidered version that's fifteen hundred dollars. I don't consider this stuff jeans. This stuff is not the way. I mean, you can wear what a it. Fucking rag. <laughs> but it's art. But, it's, but I consider it art because creativity is not supposed to have no bounds. Art don't have no bounds, right? You just do something, and if people pay it, they pay it. That's, I mean, it's art. That's, that's yeah, how yeah. I, I I conceptualize it because you're not wearing these because you're looking for a pair of jeans. As yeah, that's not why respects actual like fine art and drawing and painting. 
I, mean, I, I appreciate someone who puts a banana in a frame and gets paid millions of dollars. I'm not buying it. I mean, cool. you, don't, you don't have to buy it, but right? But if, if somebody you've does, got $500 or $5 million to waste, hey. But if somebody, you somebody uh, you again, that's, that's, that's makes art. Art means it don't got to conform to what you think or what I think. Exactly. And if you can get somebody to buy you $1,500 jeans, <laughs> then hey, they'll be all power to you. And, and, and Tremaine specifically, because he's from Keysville, how farmers stand up. Yeah, I mean, and so, um, and he actually did an event over by the Rock. Don't buy no jeans you can't you know, actually work or run in. Huh? Don't buy no jeans you can't actually work or run in. I mean, again, you do what you want to do. <laughs> again, <laughs> you might want to put them on the wall and admire them, you know what I mean? Like a Ferrari on the corner. Look, yeah. it's not to be driven. I mean, it's art. But, um, Indeed. and it was also Samuel Ross. Samuel Ross out the UK. As a young brother, that I really like what he does. Like I, I could see his creativity. Right, so. <laughs> uh, Sam Ross, he has a brand called Cold World, um, and he actually used to intern for Virgil. And I so, uh, yeah, so there was some, and like, he does a lot of things for for the black community. Uh, well, not to say a lot of things, he gives back <laughs> uh, okay. to black designers out there in the UK. So you know, Virgil. So they did have these kind of. They did kind of were building a tree, right? They have these branches, and uh, of course for Haran Preston, who has always been with him. So Haran, after they left, uh, or maybe I think they sold off. They sold um, uh, Bintrill. They sold Bintrill, mm-hmm. and Haran started his own brand too. But they always remained close. You know, um, I said to say, R.I.P. You know, um, and I, I'm just going to be real, right? So I wasn't saying like. I, I, I followed him. You know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say that he had a, a space and he served a purpose. Um, next, uh, <laughs> we took a little longer than that. I thought, uh, Democrat on Democrat crime, Gem- gerrymandering and water is wet. Blue state, gerrymandering in blue states. So uh, across the country, um, because of the census, they're redrawing lines and. Um, I wanted to get your take on this, Rob. So um, I'm a little biased. I worked for the census back in the day. <laughs> that makes you biased? That'll make you draw the lines. <laughs> no, I didn't uh, draw the lines, but I'm biased <laughs> on the census as so, what it can do. It's a lot of good data that comes out of the census. One but of the things that... actually get good numbers. You can do a lot. One of thing that's interesting, and I was, I was just thinking about this before we came on there, that the Republicans might be considered the unity party. Yeah, it's right? weird how they're working. They're on. the unity party. And the Democrats are like, you can't be un- you can't be open to ideas and have a single vision. You know what I mean? No, but... You can't be open to ideas and have a single vision. Can't work. You can have <laughs> a... You can do that. You can be open to ideas and have a single vision. If no, your vision you, then you're not really open to new ideas. What if your vision is a more free society or a more equitable society? Then you can be open to new ideas. You can be open to ideas on how to get there and what that means and what it represents. Or else but you wouldn't be able to have like yeah. what we do with the constitutional system where you can amend it. Well, when you look idea. at new ideas, then you can't be stuck on any one thing. That means you kind of, by, by definition, you got to be all over the place. Well, not all over the place. You can still have a end goal or a function and 
it, that's like you dig? No, if you I, don't have, I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Have, if your idea is quote unquote liberty, and you wish wish that to actually be applied equally, you can do that. That is your goal. Now, how you get there and how you define, you know, what that means that that's the same argument we had since, especially in my lifetime in the Obama administration during, you know, Guantanamo and all that other shit, the whole war on terror since the Bush administration has been a complete clusterfuck when it comes to that. So no, I have to disagree on your position there. <laughs> all right. Fine, fine, fine. Because, um, when Republicans kind of function, they function equally. Now in blue states, you well, can you be see, a okay, that, No, you what you're describing is having a party unity in lockstep. A party's different than actually having a party's the vote. The way we do parties is not even how natural parties work. Uh, what we don't have, what we have, are not the same kind of legacy parties or guilds where they actually have an interest. If you had an old school party, it was formed for a reason because you had steam fitters or like the fucking. Porters, that's how they got their health care, and that's how they got their first union. Those were how you would really organize your basic interest-based parties. And then you could have unity and uh, disagreements on how to get there, but you've got the same goal. And you can vote as a block and get what you need accomplished in the legislature, state, local, and federal, if you got enough of you motherfuckers from shore to shining shore. So you have to redefine what you actually understand to be a party. We fuck that up all the time in the United States because we don't teach the dictionary and how to use it. So what we have here drawing the lines is that there are, there are quote unquote Democrats who are being gerrymandered out of their districts by other Democrats because they don't hold the party line. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, with no other Democrats, you got to fight against other Democrats. This is why we have Republicans yeah. for some reason. <laughs> this right. is why we have such a bloodbath every time there's a party platform fight. This is why that that is why you can't have a real party platform that means anything to the modern party. What I'm saying is, but the you can do it with the Republicans. No, because they, the Republican so Party, the way they point. function, yeah, the the Republicans might be the party unity party. There's no and might be Democrats about it. The Republicans have been the unity party for quite a while. Democrats are more like a loose base of parties coming together. Where the, the Republicans about who's <laughs> in DC, yeah, they are definitely the unity party. So therefore, that's why I say you can't have a party with multiple ideas and then have unity. The reason why these people are being gerrymandered out, and I'm speaking of AOC, I'm speaking of Jamal mm-hmm. Bowman, I'm speaking of Phil yeah. Anderson, locally in South in South in the downstate New York. Uh, the reason why they're being gerrymandered out by Democrats. Is because they have different ideas, <laughs> right? If <laughs> they have different ideas than 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 what the uh, establishment they actually has. want results. It's not even about <laughs> just having different ideas. They want to get results. <laughs> and so uh, the, the so with the Democrats, uh, you 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 be, so you would think that because uh, gerrymandering they wanted to just toe the line and not do anything, then they wouldn't be getting gerrymandered out. Gerrymandering typically would be, you know, trying to stop one party, trying to stop the other, right? No, but now no. we have gerrymandering of Democrats against Democrats. The Republicans, even their brand for a long time has been based upon that kind of unity and that kind of similar vision. 
or at least that similar brand. The Democrats can't function that way or else they wouldn't be an effective opposition party. They couldn't play the foil for the Republicans and vice versa if they did that. You would screw up the show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and what's interesting here, so, so um, you know, there's an independent commission here in New York State that's come up, that was formed by bipartisan collection of, I guess, uh, members who are supposed to come up with the new lines, right? Because they want to take it out of the hands of the legislature. What's it but what has happened? The coalition can't agree on lines. They yeah. entered the room, and the Republicans, people appointed by Republicans went on one side, people appointed by Democrats went on the other side, and they came up with two sets of lines. <laughs> and I've been talking to some people, and they want to frame it like, yeah, the Republicans did this. So, you know, because they're hell-bent, they don't want to work. But I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Because who benefits? Who benefits from them not from them not uh, agreeing it, online? Too quote, isn't that how you... I don't know. Anyway. Um, who benefits from them not agreeing online? Yeah. And the other... The establishment Democrats, I'll just say. Because if they can't agree on lines, it gets kicked back to the legislature, and who controls the legislature at this point in time? Mm-hmm. Both both houses, the Democrats. The Democrats have an incentive to 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 jack this up, mm-hmm. the com- independent commission up, <laughs> so it can go back to their hands. I mean, <laughs> that's not Republicans doing this. It's not. You and I, come on. When it comes to voter <laughs> voter percentage or voter share, where do the Republicans really stand in our area? There's none. There might, there might be, there might be 2,000. This is why that whole narrative falls apart at a certain point. About you can only use that kind of crap on either during an interview or something to a friendly crowd. It only goes so far. This is not. It's like saying if it weren't for these poltergeists. (laughs) What? What? Like, well, I mean. I mean, so so therefore, it had nothing to do with the Republican-controlled Senate uh, uh, half a decade ago. Nothing to do with that, because now you got full control, and you still get to say BS. <laughs> I mean, whew. because they didn't update their memos, like they didn't, they didn't get the new script, man. They're still working on it. So, so you know, it, it's and that's it's part of the problem with being a party uh, a party guy or a party gal. If you're not independent, and if you can't think for yourself, if you're not allowed to think for yourself, and that's dangerous to the party, too, long term. If you don't have members that can think for themselves or are allowed to think for themselves, your party can't evolve. It can't grow. Now, if you're happy with that kind of stagnation just because you want to retain power, then, okay, then your interests aren't for the nation because the population is going to grow. Things are going to advance. I get that it's cheaper labor, but... Eventually, you need to be able to make your own shit, like you know, like masks <laughs> and ventilators, just in case yeah. of fucking emergencies. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's why you. you know, actually, like, actually, um, um, uh, Ray Dalio, um, someone I I, I use in some of my courses. Yeah, he's predicting that the end is near. The U.S. dominance, dude, it, the end of U.S. dominance is near. As the global um, hegemony. Uh, Why do you think Obama pivoted to Asia? 
as a policy. I guess, I guess he, he was being forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. He was being forward thinking. I'm actually, right well, now, I'm the, actually. Look at the thinking. rate, look at the size of their middle class versus the size of our middle class. In any, in any market economy, the globe is only so big. So if you're really going to yep. go with, you can have unlimited money. You can print money out of thin air. That's fine. That's great. But when it comes to just having a bigger middle class, there's six billion of them, dude. They're going to have a bigger market. And what's our? Once you decide to become a, you know, a consumer-based economy or in a service-based economy, at that, what what did you think was going to happen? There's not that fucking many of us. 345 to 350 million versus billions? And you're just talking shit about China because India is our friend. Because there's billions of them too. If they decided they get on the rise, India has a very insular economy. So India produces good for Indians. China does export. And they're doing fine. Exactly. And who do they export to? Us. In Europe, they what? And they export to who mostly? Us, Europe, and there's they're so doing India. No, China. Um, oh, China. Yes, China is. And they're doing something that's even degree. more India, to our head. India can be self-sufficient on its own. Indians producing for Indians. <laughs> but the thing is, the, the real danger is that China is expansionist. That's where they yeah. see the real threat. You don't yeah. see India with a Belt and Road program that's actually investing in, of all places, Africa. No. And, and no, something no, no, we should be no, no. fucking doing. It's just, yeah. Yeah, India, India stays to itself. Yeah, so that's yeah. where, like you say, the, we're bleeding left and right as a global power. But we, eh, whatever, what do I know? So um, today also marks the... 15th anniversary of the Genesis, 6 and um, this this case is where six teenagers in Jenna, Louisiana back in 2006 were convicted of beating uh, a white student, Justin Baker. Um, the reason why, because so they, they so two kids have a fight. Mm-hmm. The white kid gets sent to, to detention. The black kid goes to jail. <laughs> Call a cop on it. How, how bad an ass beating did he get I mean. Now, now, no, just two kids fighting. Now, the idea here is, um, racism. Yeah. This, this is this, 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 this case showed me that this system we have, the laws we have in place, do not, cannot incapable. It's incapable of recognizing racism. So, the idea that these six students were mistreated, unfair treatment. But when did it make national news? When a noose was found hanging in the high school courtyard. Right? Oh. So the mistreatment is just, okay, da, 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 da. but now when the noose hangs, now we can recognize. So, you know I mean, so that's how blatant it has to be. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing about the, the, the inaccurate treatment, nothing about the, the disparity uh, between how are uh, you treating your black students and your white students? You have to see the noose. The noose because is the only thing that there's no more plausible deniability at that point. But the the impact is the same. Racism is about but, the impact. What did I say? There's no more plausible, plausible. deniability at that point. I didn't <laughs> see the bat, Your Honor. It therefore wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know how he got those splinters in his wounds. 
but there was no bat, I tell you. But my, no, well, just because you get national four, attention, two by four. you still have deniability. You can say, oh, it's not a noose. You can say it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't directed at him. You can say That's a already been tried several in several cases. They've tried that. But it, that is such a blatant symbol of, you know, it's not like, well, we just had them hanging around because, you know, in case we needed to tie some things together or tie something up. Duh. <laughs> that's a, that's, oh, uh, take it from someone who's in the Navy. There, there's a knot for everything. And there's only one. This would be a little tangential. But um, whenever I think of this, I also think of that. So bear with me. Gregory Meeks. When Gregory Meeks was working right. at the DA's right. office, uh, one of his peers, who actually became number two down at the DA's office until recently, under under Jim Brown, he was number, Richard Brown. He was number two. Um, put three nooses on Gregory Meeks's desk. Now we fighting because Gregory Meeks had called three hung juries, or or had three hung juries called on him. Uh, okay, what did Gregory Meeks do? That is funny. <laughs> Nothing. 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 He becomes he becomes a congressman shortly after that though, so I'm, I'm uh, not. Sure. <laughs> Maybe that was a deal. <laughs> he cut a deal, but this man they stayed at the DA's office for another twenty years. Well, what do you if think it he was, was really like? for three hung juries, you could have come up with something better than that. I don't know. That's what do you uh, think he was like as a DA in the, as, in the DA's office for that twenty years after that? What oh. do you think he was like? <laughs> so, so Greg Meeks didn't say anything. Yes, Greg Meeks became congressman, but this man stayed at the DA's office, mm-hmm. fully employed. Do you think he gave anybody a raw deal? You got to look at his record. If that was his, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we have to see another noose. <laughs> so hence the the noose hanging in the schoolyard in Jenna can also <laughs> be dismissed. <laughs> but it's what got national attention on this case. That's what brought the newspapers down. That's what brought CNN down to Jenna, Louisiana after this noose. The treatment had already been going on. But they had that's what got to get it national attention. The mistreatment and the abuses were constant. But I digress. Um, That's why symbols are symbols have meaning. Symbols transmit real meaning all the time, and they're unmistakable. That's why you use symbols. Moving forward, <laughs> another anniversary this week. Again, we always function in the spirit of St. Copa. Is this is the thirty-fourth anniversary of the Tawana Broly case? Right. This mm-hmm. is. I was a little kid. This is back in eighty-seven. <laughs> Eighty six, and so Tawana Brawley, and and now the the case fell apart, but mm-hmm. uh, not without. And then it never answered the questions, right? Because she was still found in the dumpster, right? I'm not sure how you if you're going to say she faked that, right? I don't know um, how you actually fake that. <laughs> exactly, that is one hell of a trick, Mr. Jeannie. So this goes, this kind of goes away, and we just no one, no one fights for it, right? Um. Okay. Sadly, no. He didn't kill himself either. So, um, 
there's a sister by the name of uh, uh, Jackman, Doctor Jackman. Uh, she she wrote a book. I, I I encourage everyone to check it out if they get a chance. The name of the book is "They Called Her a Liar." They called, they her, called a liar. her a liar. Okay. They called her a liar is the name of the book. Okay. It's one of Brody case. Yeah, Doctor Melba Jackson. Uh, great read. I, I recommend it if anybody's interested in true crime. True crime is a big deal now, right? <laughs> so, yeah, because uh, it's a crime. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> you know, in the so, title. Word, word, word. Um, yeah. yeah what's uh, most shocking with those big cases is, again, like, you know, the people who commit some of these things and then they end up with like a TV show. Our society's amazing, folks. It <laughs> is. It is. I mean, um, you can't make this stuff up. Um, uh, so in closing out, uh, we also want to remember this, uh, this week was the founding of the national council of Negro women, uh, by, uh, Mary McLeod Bethune, right. Uh, back in, in 1935. Also, uh, this is the week that the North star, uh, was founded. And uh, that was a publication, uh, in, co- in collaboration with, uh, Frederick Douglass and Martin Delaney, the great Martin Delaney. Um, so um, yeah, North Star. I think I think it might have gotten resurrected. I'm not sure, or unofficially or officially, I'm not sure. But uh, the North Star, you know, documenting our history. So Frederick Douglass, uh, uh, I guess, prance into journalism. Also, um, we lost a lot of soldiers uh, this week. So Fred Hampton and Mark Clark died when the uh, Chicago PD on that fateful night busted in and. Executed them, right? Straight murder. Yeah. No other way to it. Uh, and even the post mortem on the forensics of it was just like, no, it was unmistakable. <laughs> you guys came in guns blazing. Even the state was like, nah, dude. <laughs> dude don't get around this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the family they they did they they did win a civil case against the Chicago PD for this. Yeah. Money don't bring people back, though. No, it doesn't. Um, also, we lost Alvin Ailey, um, again, <laughs> the black arts. Right? And that's important to create. you got to create. Creativity is such a beautiful thing, regardless of what it is. Because right? uh, that's how we innovate. That's how we, 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 we forge new territories. We find out new things. we got to experiment right? in all things. And so um, uh, Alvin Ailey and Dad. Um. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Virgil. And not just experiment. That's how you express culture as well, too. That's art yeah. is culture. Art's a very big component yeah. of culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very powerful one too. That's another way you transmit messages in all different types of art. Uh, also, we lost um, James Baldwin, the great, great the poet. giant. Uh, we don't. Yeah, I don't gotta talk about James Baldwin too much. We, right? Uh, um, the the literary giant, mm. social giant, probably yeah. one of the first. Uh, I like well, his uh, his debates more than I do his poetry, to be honest. With you. <laughs> well, he's a public intellectual. Right? We call him that, right? Before yeah. that, that term was popularized. James Baldwin was one of our great public intellectuals. Right? He was like uh, the early he, version of Cornell West, like he's. His presence in the media, I would say he'd be like a proto version of that. How Cornel West is everywhere and a 
powerful black intellectual. I, I would put James Baldwin as an earlier version of it. I can rock with that. I can, I can, I can deal with that. Um, and uh, we also love Prince Hall, right? That so many of you know are Prince Hall. We have, well, there was a point in time where we didn't boycott. We just started our own, right? Uh, so <laughs> Richard Allen, which didn't is more effective. He went and started his own AME. Richard yeah. and Paul, Prince Hall didn't boycott the Masons. He started his own lodges, Prince Hall yeah. lodges, because we weren't allowed. And so, um. And, uh, yeah, just getting one of these literary figures from the 1700s, right? The idea that we've been struggling with this for a long time. Um, that's the reason why you, you always want to venerate some of these brothers and sisters. Let <coughs> uh, you know the struggle. To use his own son. Some deep stuff. Yeah, the struggle is, um, is real. And we've been struggling with it for a mighty long time. Uh, documented. Right, so that there's a lot of undocumented struggles, there's a lot of documented struggles. So just that alone, and uh, so we always want to keep that in memory. Um, but um, that is about our time. That is about our time. You have any closing thoughts to the brothers and sisters out there, brother Rob? Uh, bifunctional pants. <laughs> Functional pants, <laughs> as opposed to artistic pants. <laughs> no, they can be both. That's the thing. Just because they are. Functional doesn't mean they got to be ugly. Well, uh, yeah, well, even ugly, that's in the side of it. I don't even care about ugly. I remember one time I saw so Shane Oliver, right? So he is a young brother out of Brooklyn. Uh, he might have been like one of the first pioneers in the streetwear type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a sweatshirt with four arms. <laughs> okay. I, thought the, I thought it was brilliant. I, asked, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it, but I just mm. remember looking at it. So it got four arms. I was <laughs> like, well, "What do you?" I was like, it, "It makes you think. It, it catches your eye." It's like, okay, why do we have to? You know, what I mean, why, why do we have to exist with these boundaries? Well, the boundaries to help. Now you have a scarf, at least. With your sweater. <laughs> so um, maybe that was it. You're right. Maybe maybe that's what you used out of two arms for. Who knows? You're right. Maybe, you know, I like those, the, the whole that like tennis court look with the shirt and the like tight around your the yuppie look. And and you can do that have with a sweatshirt and still. Have <laughs> I guess. Right? Who knows? Listen, that's the beauty of art, right? It's it's up to your interpretation, up to my interpretation, and at least you know uh, and. God bless the people who have the ability or the good fortune to be able to express themselves in that way, such public platforms. I'm going to leave with a closing by Virgil Lablo. I'm going to quote Virgil. <laughs> I Just choose. To prove we're not haters. <laughs> I choose to make the reality that I see in my head. There you go. Right, and that's what we all should be striving to do. Right. Don't don't get locked in into what the world tells you you are or what you 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 know uh, be free be an innovator right don't don't try to copy right uh, you originators see so, you know. <laughs> so um I want to thank Sister Cindy Ashby uh, I want to thank all of the other programs here on on the Wake Up Radio we appreciate you uh, all for one and one for all uh, and to all the Africans. The Africanettes, and those of you who are African adjacent. Till next time. Peace, sister. Peace, brother.
schedule. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashwin On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.